0: And we are in the middle of chapter 41. And how incredible the things that we get to study over here, which just gives us a whole different view on Suspending what's going on in the universe. So we just finished this incredible thought, incredible thought. We, let, let's let's um, focus ourselves where we were in this chapter. We're in chapter 41. And the algebra said like this, after everything I told you until now, I want to tell you what's the first and foremost step in serving Hashem. And that is You have to have fear of him. What kind of fear? A very basic level. Knowing that I don't want to rebel against him. Knowing that I am in his presence and that he's scrutinizing my heart, my reins. And so I'm going to serve him like a servant. And then he said, you know, if you can't come up with that kind of awe, even in your mind, then the basic level of shame that... Hashem is watching you, just like any person is watching you, it's very important, because if you don't have at least a minimal level of fear, then there's just one wing, and with one wing, a bird can't fly, and by the way, the Rebbe notes that there is a Mishnah that talks about a dove when it's very tired flying with one wing. He said this is not a contradiction to the Mishnah, because the Mishnah says it flies with one, and it rests with one, meaning the second wing does serve a function. It uses it just very minimally. If the bird physically had just one wing, it couldn't fly with the one wing. It needed two wings to fly, even if with just this one wing. And so, knowing that we need to have two wings, we need to have love of Hashem and fear of Hashem. Now we're getting back to love. And we said, you know what? Yes, fear is the beginning of serving Hashem, it's the core, it's the root. That's where it all begins. That's what holds up everything. That's what pervades everything. Our humility and surrender to Hashem. Doing it just because you said so, Hashem. But we can't forget how important love is. Love is so important too, and it's the second wing. What kind of love? Also a very basic level. If our basic level of fear is not wanting to rebel against Hashem, our basic level of love is knowing my innate need to attach to Him. I am somebody who never wants to be separated from Hashem. I have this need to attach Him. How do I attach to Him? Through Torah and a mitzvah. Torah and a mitzvah are the will of Hashem. The will of Hashem is Him. So my intention in studying Torah and doing a mitzvah is I'm cleaving my soul to Hashem. My soul longs for this. How do I satisfy my soul's desire? Torah and a mitzvah. So that's my intention in studying Torah and doing a mitzvah. And the author said, you know what? There's a higher level than that that I want you to have in mind. True, the principal intention is I want to cleave my soul to Hashem in this study of Torah, in this act of misperformance. performance. But there's another intention. What's the other intention? That I want to cleave the source of my soul, which is the source of the souls of all of Israel, with kucha brichu, with Hashem himself that's my intention and this is a very high level of intention and we looked at this idea last week briefly and that from hashem there are two kinds of light so to speak that come from him there is the light which surrounds all worlds and the light which fills all worlds and when we say surrounds all worlds oftentimes people think that it means that he's not present but actually that light is not just present it is the most present The most present entity anywhere you go is that light of Hashem that surrounds all worlds. Because nothing is a vessel for it, it is equally present everywhere. The reason why it's called surrounding is because we can't relate to it. We don't perceive it. It's shockingly present and we are so oblivious. That's the light which surrounds all worlds. That comes from the essence of Hashem himself, completely unbounded. And then there's, that's called Kuchabrichu, the Holy One, Blessed Be He. The word kadosh means apart, separated, so transcendent that even though that light is so fully present, we are not aware of it. And then there's the light which fills all worlds. And when we say fills, we don't just mean like the example we gave last week of water in a cup. So there's the cup and the water fills the cup. The water is separate from the cup. When we say fills all worlds, we mean as the midrash says, ha nefesh es esha guf, ka ha mimali memali ha Just as the soul fills the body, which means it pervades the body, so does Hashem fill the world. How does the soul fill the body it's not just pouring water in a cup it pervades the body the body and some beco- soul becomes totally fused that they're actually one entity now the body is metamorphosed into a living being and this light that hashem emanates from himself to create the world is tailor suited to each creature and so everything about this world has its own unique shade or variant of this light that's suited to its vessels so that it relates to that light So this light, which fills all worlds, is also known as the Shekhinah. And it is the source of the Jewish souls. If we trace our souls back to their source, it is the Shekhinah. At that place, we are totally one. It's that one drop of reproductive seed that has not yet been developed into a fetus. At that place, there's no separation between Jews. We literally form one entity. Now, we learn in chapter 36, what is the purpose of creation of the world? The purpose of creation of the world, the altar of a from Medoshtan Chuma, is that Hashem desired to have a home in the lowest realms. And when we said lowest, there's no such thing as highest and lowest. Hashem pervades all worlds equally. So what does it mean lowest? It means in our perception of Him. Every other world have some level of perception of the Creator. In this world, there is absolutely no overt perception of him unless we try. A person can be born into this world and just completely be oblivious and deny Hashem. That's possible only in this world. And what's Hashem's desire? Why did he create the world in this way? Because he wants to have a home where naturally nobody recognizes him and then everybody comes to recognize him. And what does it mean a home? That means where his essence is. That's where you kick off your shoes and you're the most comfortable. Hashem wants to be the most comfortable with his very essence in this world. Uniting Kucha Brihu, the light which surrounds all worlds, the light that completely transcends creations, the will of Hashem, with his Shekhinah, which is the light that fills all worlds, the source of our soul, is what accomplishes this goal of creating a home for Hashem in this world. When we pull down his essence through Torah and mitzvahs into our soul, We are literally manifesting him in this world. And that should be our second intention. Our first intention was, I'm doing this. Why am I studying Torah? Why am I doing a mitzvah? Because Torah and mitzvah is Hashem. My soul naturally loves Hashem. And what's the natural movement of love? I want to connect. I want to attach. How do I connect? How do I attach? Torah and mitzvah, that's the only way. So my intention is, I know I love Hashem. It's my natural mode of being. I'm running to him to connect with him i said, there's a higher intention I want you to have. That higher intention is, I want to connect Kucha Brichu, the light of Hashem that completely transcends all worlds with his Shekhinah, the light of Hashem that pervades and fills the world, a more contracted form of light. And this is the idea that we ended off class with last week, that when we study Torah, it is actually the Shekhinah, that is powering our Torah study. Why? Because the soul within our body has a source. And that source is the soul as it is one with Hashem in the Shekhinah. Anything that we do in our body is because we have an animal soul that's like the life spark, the electric electricity in our body. But the animal soul in the Jewish body doesn't get its power from itself. It gets its power from the divine soul. And the divine soul gets its power from the Shekhinah. So now, the Shekhinah, which is the light which pervades all worlds, is powering the enunciation of words of Torah. And words of Torah come from Hashem as He completely transcends creation. The light which surrounds all worlds. So in that act of Torah study, we are uniting Hashem as He transcends all worlds through our soul, the light which pervades all worlds. And we are create that fusion, that union is creating a home for Hashem here in the lowest realms. You know, I was thinking about it because you, know, you have to fill out forms sometimes, like what's your occupation? And some women, they don't want to fill out homemaker. It just sounds so plain, so unsophisticated. Maybe you never got a chance to go to school. If you have that frame of mind, it means that you never studied Tanya. It's, homemaker. It's really what is our job as the Jewish people? <laughs> <laughs> to make a home for Hashem yes. in the lowest realms. The Jewish people's destiny, our journey, our highest calling is to be a homemaker for Hashem. vessel. <laughs> <And laughs> channel. Yes. And it reminds me of a story from the Talmud. The Talmud in Pesachim tells a story of the son of Rabbi Yeshua Ben Levi, Rabbi Yosef. He was very ill, he was about to expire, and then thank God he recovered. He had a near-death experience. And his father asked him, when you were about to die, what did you see? And he said, I saw an upside-down world. The people on below were above, and the people on above were below. He said, no, no, his father told him, Yeshua Ben Levi said, you saw a clear world. You know, in this world, things that are of prime importance are given very little significance but our journey and our destiny as the Jewish people is to be a homemaker. How do we do that? How do we make this world a home for Hashem? By studying Torah and by doing a mitzvah. If we do it with a very limited consciousness, meaning we're doing it because this is how how I am habituated, I'm used to doing this, I don't think about Hashem, we're creating the effect, but on a very small scale. If we remember to have the intentions, why am I doing this? I am doing this because I am a Jew. And a Jew is somebody who has a divine soul. A divine soul by its very nature never wants to be separated from Hashem. I have this innate need to attach to Him. I have this innate proclivity to just submit to His will. That's why I study Torah. That's why I do a mitzvah. When we have those intentions, we manifest the act that we're carrying out. And that creates a huge transformation. We become channels that literally change this world on all levels. And the altar of said says now, because he first, we finished the last thought that it is the shekhinah which imbues him with the power of the speech to utter his current words of Torah and with, or with the power of action to perform the particular mitzvah. And this what? union is attained through drawing forth the light of the Blessed Eintsof here below by being occupied in the Torah and mitzvahs where the light of the Eintsof is clothed. And that was our intention to unify Kucha B'rihu and his Shekhinah. Now we're getting to this Kabbalistic note. The Rebbe now notes that something else happens besides the union of divine souls and Hashem by the study Torah and the performance of mitzvot. These activities also bring about hamtakat hadinim, meaning sweetening of harsh judgments and givurot and their transformation into kindness and chasadim. This is affected through the coalescing of the supernal sifirot of chassad and Givura, kindness and severity. These these rote, which by nature are opposites, are fused into one through the revelation and diffusion of a divine light, which is spiritually superior to them both. This light is the supernal will drawn down upon these two attributes through the performance of Torah and mitzvot. For inasmuch as Torah and mitzvot are expressions of the divine will, their spirituality far surpasses the spirituality of the sefirot of Chesed and Gevura. where the divine will, the source of supernal kindness, is revealed through the study of Torah and the performance of mitzvot. The attributes of kindness and severity are united, and severity is transformed into kindness. So, this is actually an idea that we visited before in the note to chapter 40. (laughs) Hamtakas hagvurais bachasadim. Sweetening the judgments with kindness. And what does that mean? Let's look at what Torah is. Let's look at the source of Torah. Let's look at our soul, the Shekhinah, and the source of our soul. The source of Torah and mitzvah is the will of Hashem. The will of Hashem is so transcendent, it is beyond limitation, beyond any symptom. That's how Hashem is unto Himself. What's the source of our soul? In order for us to come down into a body, there has to be a life energy that's suited to the capacity of the body, that's suited to this world, as it were, so that we can exist here. For that to happen, there has to be givura. Givura, which means severity, is restraint. It's withholding. Hashem has to withhold himself so that some beings can think that they exist. Because actually there's just one truth. Hashem Elohim MS. God the Lord is true. That's the only truth. There is nothing else besides Hashem. What did Moshe Rabbeinu say? Ain't od Novado. There's nothing else besides Hashem. In order for a being to have a self-consciousness, it means that Hashem had to withhold himself so that something can think that they exist. That level of Shekhinah is synonymous with the Mamale Kol amen the light which fills all, all worlds, which is a contracted form of light in order to breathe existence into all of creation. So before we were saying that we are uniting the Holy One, blessed be He, Hashem as He is unto Himself without any contraction, any limitation, just utter boundlessness, the light that surrounds everything, Torah and mitzvahs, with our soul which is the light that pervades everything, which is sourced in the Shekhinah, we are uniting the Holy One, blessed be He, with His Shekhinah when our soul powers Torah and mitzvahs. Now the Altar is saying that something else is happening when we're drawing down the will of Hashem into our soul. It's something called the sweetening of judgments through the chassadin. Why? Because all of the attributes. They all are like ministers of the king. So the emotional attributes, the dote are all like the king's ministers and they each have their own agenda. This one is the one who makes sure that there's enough food for everyone and this one is the one who makes sure that the law is being followed. And sometimes they clash. We have a different agenda here. This guy deserves don't, doesn't deserve. Why did you give him? Oh, because I give to everyone. But we have a different agenda. And then the king comes. When the king comes, nobody has a different agenda. When the king comes, everybody remembers, I'm doing this only because I'm a servant of the king. We're all on the same page. We're all servants of the king. When we draw down the will of Hashem into our soul by studying Torah and by doing a mitzvah, we are revealing Hashem as he is within his attributes. And when he is revealed within his attributes, the primary flavor of all the attributes becomes chesed, kindness. Why? Because chesed is the principal attribute which expresses Hashem. It is rooted in Hashem Himself because chesed is an act of boundlessness. It's an act of expansion. It's an act of giving to those lower than yourself. It is like water that comes from a high place to a low place and gives indiscriminately. Givur, on the other hand, is like fire. Fire is something that's self-contained, as it were, and doesn't give to anything below itself. Giving freely, being boundless, is rooted in the essence of Hashem. Withholding, restraining, is rooted in the symptom Hashem, as he contracted himself. Now, we're not talking about doing away with gevurah. We couldn't possibly do away with Gevura. If we would do away with Gevura, we would do away with creation. Creation couldn't exist if Hashem didn't withhold Himself. But we want that every manifestation that comes from Hashem feels good, is utter kindness, that no harsh judgments come about. And that happens when all of the Sifi get the flavor of chesed. So Gevura is still Gevura, but it operates with the agenda of chesed chesed is the right the right is the principle of the body the right chesed is the principle expression reflection of hashem when hashem's will radiates within the sifi wrote the main flavor of them all becomes chesed and they all act with the agenda of chesed and that's called sweetening the judgments with kindness, or as the Zohar puts it, La biyamina, to incorporate the left within the right. That is an effect that happens when we study Torah and when we do a mitzvah, and especially with this intention of uniting Kucha Brihu and his Shekhinah. And this is what the Al is now going to write in this note. Mimela, Behezkalos hamides v'yichudam. Thereby, meaning through the performance of Torah and Mitzvot, the Gavurot will, of themselves, also be sweetened by the chasadim through the coalescence of the midot and their union. So this is a natural effect. When we perform Torah and mitzvot with our divine soul, and especially we have this intention of uniting the Holy One, blessed be he with his Shekhinah, there is a natural effect. What's the natural effect? Judgments become sweetened, tempered by kindness. How does this happen? By means of the revelation of the supernal will, which was revealed on high through the stimulus from below. Namely, it's revelation here below in one's occupation in the Torah and mitzvot, for they are Hashem's Blessed will. So the Zohar says like this is Arusa Dila Sata, is Arusa de la Ela. An arousal from below causes a corresponding arousal above. The way we act down here causes a mirror effect way beyond us, way up high. What are we doing down here? We are studying Torah and we're doing a mitzvah, which means we are fulfilling the will of Hashem. We are using our divine soul, which is source in the Shekhinah, to power an expression of his pure, unadulterated will, which was reflection of Hashem himself. When we do that here, when we unite the light of Hashem, which is completely boundless, which is Hashem as he is unto himself, which is Kucha Berichu, the Holy One, blessed be he, with our own soul, which is from the light which pervades all worlds, which is an expression of the Shekhinah, which is Hashem, as he contracted himself to suit the worlds, we're drawing his will down into mamali. We're drawing saivev into mamali. We're drawing Hashem himself down, revealing his will within his attributes. We're doing that down here. When we do that down here, the Zohar tells us our corresponding effect is happening globally in the higher realms that we can't even imagine. We think of ourselves as tiny beings, we may look tiny you may not feel as great as the angels but we're greater than the angels we are literally at the epicenter of all of creation and we have this power to make these huge changes global transformations down here we are getting busy with hashem's will we're using our soul to soul to power his will up above his will is shining in his attributes and when his will shines in his attributes the givurot are sweetened by the chasadim. Judgments are tempered by kindness. Thus, when a Jew reveals and draws down God's will into this world as a result of his spiritual activities, the divine will will also be revealed in the supernal rote, resulting in the unification and coalescing of the midot, so that the givurot are sweetened by and transformed into chasadim. Thus, it is written in Idra Raba and in Mishnah Chassidim, tractate Arach Anpin, chapter 4. What does it say over there? That the 613 commandments of the Torah are derived from the whiteness of Arach Anpin, which is the supernal will, the source of the chasadim. So where are the 613 mitzvahs rooted? They're rooted in arech anpin. Arech anpin means the long faces. This is Hashem's will as He transcends the worlds. Arech anpin is way beyond the worlds. As opposed to ze'er anpin, the small faces, as Hashem has constricted Himself to be within six midot. The six midot are called Ze which is an acronym for, the er anpin, small faces. Arach anpin is long faces. This is Hashem as he is completely transcendent. But even in this space of Hashem's will, arach anpin, where he is completely transcendent, there is a root for the symptom. It begins somewhere. That's where it begins, somewhere there in arach anpin. But then there's a place in Arach Anpin called Chivarta, the Arach Anpin, the whiteness of Arach Anpin. What's whiteness? Utter simplicity. That is total transcendence. Where do the 630 mitzvahs of the Torah come from? It says in Idra Rabba and in Midrash Chassidim that it comes from, it's rooted in the whiteness of Arach Anpin, an extremely high level that is utterly transcendent, completely transcends the world's. So what do we learn from this? We learn from this, that when we, we're, t- it's crazy what we can handle in this world. The will of Hashem. No other world can handle that. The reason why we could handle that is because we're so blind. We have no idea what we're doing. If we would know what we're doing, we wouldn't be able to handle it. On the other hand, because we have no idea what we're doing, so we're more insensitive, we're immune. And that's why the Talmud says, Tzchar mitzvah bahai al-malekah. There is no reward for a mitzvah in this world because a mitzvah, what is a mitzvah? What's the reward of a mitzvah? What did we say in chapter 37? The reward of the mitzvah is the revelation of the actual mitzvah. The actual revelation cannot happen in this world. If it would happen in this world, people would expire. That's what happened at the giving of the Torah. At the giving of the Torah, the people had a, such an intimate, overt, they were so Keenly aware of what was happening, of the union between Hashem and the Jews. They expired. It says, This is from Shir My soul left when he spoke. The Jewish people couldn't handle it. Their souls literally left their body every single time Hashem spoke because they couldn't handle the revelation. So on one hand, we don't feel the revelation. On the other hand, what's happening here is like the revelation every single time at Mount Sinai, except this time we're completely blinded by it. We're completely insensitive. We just don't know what's happening. But the altar is telling us what's happening. He's telling us that every single time we study Torah and every single time we're doing a mitzvah, we are literally pulling down the essence of Hashem into our soul. When we do that, we're uniting heaven and earth. We are the representation of the Shekhinah, and the entire world is now changed. The principal effect currently is in the world of Atzilus, but when Mashiach comes, we're going to see it here. The principal union happens in the world of Atzilus. The illumination of that union happens down here in this world and in every world according to its own capacity. When Mashiach comes, the principal revelation is going to be right here. So let's summarize this note. We just finished saying that when we study Torah, when we do a mitzvah, and we have this intention of uniting the Holy One, blessed be He, with His Shekhinah, there's another effect that's happening, and that is that kindness is tempering judgments. Hashem's will is being drawn down into all the Sifirov, and they now have the agenda of kindness. This is a global effect that happens every single time we study Torah, every single time we do a mitzvah, and especially when we have this intention of uniting Kuchabricha with his Shekhinah. Now, to have this kind of intention, why am I doing this? Okay, so the first intention that we were going to have is I'm doing this because I am someone who loves Hashem. I'm somebody who never wants to be separated from Him, and this mitzvah offers offers me the opportunity to attach to Him. That's a very genuine... That's a very genuine intention. I want to to Hashem. I'm thirsty, I'm starving for Him, and I'm running into His arms in this act of a mitzvah. But this second intention of uniting Brihu, the Holy One, blessed be He, with His Shekhinah, you can't have any thoughts of yourself over there. If you're truly going to have that intention, you're not thinking about your soul as it is in the body. You're thinking about your soul as it is in its source. At that space, you have no agenda of self you don't even exist all you care about is Hashem can most of us have that kind of intention it's let's be real now we're studying Tanya and Tanya is a very real book you have to be very honest with yourself like for example in previous chapters where the altar was saying that somebody's feeling bad that they have negative thoughts that come to them and he said know your place know who you are in order for you not to have negative thoughts, you have to be the level of a tzaddik. Just halavai, you would be a bainini, if only you would be a bainini. Very realistic. The altar was telling you us, know our place. And now he's telling us to have this kind of intention, that in order to have this intention, we have no thoughts of self. All we think about is Hashem. Reminds me of a story that I read of Rabbi Dr. Jonathan Sachs. So he got a degree in philosophy from Cambridge University. And afterwards, he went to study in a shiv in Chabad. And he was studying Hasidic philosophy with one of the students there. And one day, the student turns to him and says, you know what the difference between me and you? All day long, I think about myself. All day long, you think about Hashem. And Rabbi Sachs was like, hmm, that's a very interesting observation. I would think it's exactly the opposite. I'm the guy who went to Cambridge University. I'm the guy who studied philosophy in a secular setting. I'm the guy who probably thinks about myself all day. And you're the guy who was raised in Kfar Chabad. You are in yeshiva since you're young. You were inculcated with teachings of Hasidus. And what is the teachings of Hasidus? Ain't Eid Movati. There's nothing else besides Hashem. You should be the one who thinks about Hashem all day. They said, no, no, let me explain to you what I mean. I mean that for me, Hashem is a given. What, what exists? The only thing that exists is Hashem. What's the tentative? What am I not sure about? Me. Do I exist? So I think about, do I exist? And if I exist, why do I exist? What's my purpose? So I end up thinking about myself. But you, you are inculcated with the doctrines of Cambridge University. And not just Cambridge University, philosophy in Cambridge University. For you, yourself is a given. And what's the doubtful? What's in question over here? Does Hashem exist? So you find yourself thinking about Hashem Allah. Does He exist? Where does He exist? (laughs) So to really think nothing about our own self and to say all I care about is the will of Hashem, we would be kind of deceiving ourselves. And the altar was going to say, no, I still want you to have this intention. And even though the intention is not as true as you feel like it should be, it still is true on some level. And it reminds me of a brilliant thought that I read once. The man in the desert, right? Everybody was sustained by Hashem. Baruch Hashem, nobody was hungry. How did somebody give tzedakah in the desert? You know, there's a mitzvah, give tzedakah. How could you give tzedakah? Everybody has futi. Well, the man tasted like whatever you could wish for. A person who was previously a poor man, all they know is black bread and potatoes. So they sit down to their meal and they say, ah, I wish this tastes like black bread and potatoes. And if they're feeling very fancy, maybe herring. And the rich guy says, no, 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 no. There's much better things than black bread and potatoes. Let me tell you what to wish for. That's how he was able to give tzedakah in the desert, opening up the poor man's horizons. And that's what the Rebbe is doing for us here in Tanya. We think we can only get to here, and the Rebbe is telling us, no, 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 there's a lot more to wish for, and you think it's not you, but it's you, and let me tell you why. So I'm going to read this, this commentary from Lessons in Tanya. It has been previously noted that it is not enough to attend to unify one's own soul with God through the performance of Torah and mitzvot. One must also seek to unite the source of all the souls of Israel with the infinite ain't-so-flight. In point of fact, there is quite a difference between these two intentions. A Jew's personal desire to cleave to Hashem because of his love for him is surely an utterly truthful intention. Since his love of Hashem is sincere, his desire to cleave to him is likewise sincere. However, for a Jew to sincerely desire that his performance of Torah and mitzvot connect the source of all the souls of Israel with the infinite Sof flight, meaning that it affect the union of Kuchabrihu and his Shekhinah, as explained above, this presupposes a far greater love of Hashem, a love so fierce that his only desire is to cause Hashem pleasure through his actions, thinking of himself not at all. It is thus entirely possible that this general intention is not completely genuine. Now, we are constantly taught that one should be wary of spiritual intentions, which outstrip one's current spiritual pace. Spirituality must be earned in an environment of honesty. How, then, are we to expect that every Jew study Torah and perform its votes for the sake of uniting all of Israel with Hashem when he himself knows that he doesn't mean it wholeheartedly? The Rebbe therefore goes on to explain that although an individual may may not entirely be sincere in this intention, his integrity is not compromised thereby. For every Jew desires to fulfill the will of Hashem, and uniting Jews with Hashem is surely his will. One should therefore not be apprehensive about his own sincerity to the point that he refrains from this comprehensive intention of unity. For certain for to a certain degree, his intention is consciously sincere. Moreover, there is no self-delusion here, for this unity is what his soul desires. So the says like this, And although in order that this intent should be sincere in his heart, And although in order that this intent should be sincere in his heart, so that his heart should truly desire this higher union, uniting all Jewish souls with their source and godliness, his heart must harbor a great love. Ahava for God alone. In order to have this intention sincerely, we have to harbor a great love for Hashem alone. No thoughts of self. Often loving another is ultimately a result of a self-love. A person loves that which is good for him. The same is true with, regarding to, with regard to loving Hashem and desiring to cleave to Him through the study of Torah and the performance of mitzvot. The individual desires his own welfare and that which will benefit his own soul, and there can be no better way of achieving this than by cleaving to Hashem. If, however, he is truly to desire the unification of all Jewish souls with their source in Hashem, a much deeper level of love is required. A love untainted by the faintest vestige of self-interest. A love wholly and exclusively directed for Hashem. So if you're really going to have this intention, genuinely, purely, that all you want to do is unite Kuchabricho and Shechina, you think only about Hashem. You care nothing about your own self. I don't care what I want. It's not about me. Myself is completely out of the way. All I care about is Hashem. You have to be on such a high level. You have to have a great love for Hashem alone. To do what is gratifying to him alone and not for the purpose of quenching his soul's thirst for God. But he must be like a son who strives for the sake of his father and mother, whom he loves more than his own body and soul, as explained above in chapter 10, citing R- Raya Mahemna. As explained above, this degree of love was experienced by Maisha who sacrificed himself utterly in order to secure the unification of the Jewish people with Hashem. His love was similar to that of a child who was ready to give up his very life for his parents' sake. How then could every Jew be expected to sum up this lofty level of love, which is a prerequisite for the desire to unite all Jewish souls with their godly source? To have this kind of love, we have to be like Maisha Rabbeinu. The Zahar says that Maisha Rabbeinu cried and begged Hashem to have this love. And if you see the continuation of the Zohar, his wish was granted. He had this level of love. So here we're talking about a level of love that's so great. It's the level of the Raya Mahamna. To have this kind of intention with utter sincerity, we have to be of the level of the Raya Mahamna, the faithful shepherd, Maisha Rabbeinu. The altar of writes in chapter 44. Can you dare approach the level of Maisha he says, Who is the man and where is he who would dare presume in his heart to approach and attain even a thousandth part of the degree of love felt by the faithful shepherd, which is Moshe Rabbeinu. So who, who are we kidding over here? To have this kind of intention that all I want to do is unite with his Shekhinah and I have no thoughts of myself. It's like a son that cares nothing for himself. All he wants is he wants to do good for his parents. And it's not because he has an agenda, meaning like he wants to redeem his parents from captivity so he could be back together with them. No, even if nothing good will come from it, from it for him, maybe he won't be able to meet them. But all he cares is for their goodness. To be in that space, no thoughts of yourself. That's not a regular level. That's the level of Moshe Rabbeinu. Who would dare approach that level of Moshe Rabbeinu? Nevertheless, every person should habituate himself to this intent. You don't think it's real? You don't think you can do it wholeheartedly? Get into the habit. Get it into your mind. You'll habituate yourself to it. The author was going to tell us why. But I want to tell you about the importance and the powerful effect of just accepting an idea. I heard the story from a good friend of mine. She had an experience with a relative who unfortunately had a mental illness. And this illness required medical treatment, like she actually had to take medication. And this woman was very learned, very sophisticated. She didn't want to take medication. She just that was against her principles, and she said she's not taking medication. But she needed that. It wasn't something that could be healed by therapy. It was an actually neuro, it was actually a neurological imbalance. So they finally got her an appointment with a top neurologist, and he saw her. She liked him. She respected him. She saw that he knew what he's talking about. He prescribed a medication. And he actually gave it to her. He gave it to her to put in her purse and take home. And she comes home. And yes, when she was in his presence, she really respected him. She saw that he's an authority. He knows what he's talking about. He had her best interest in mind. When she came home, she looked at the medication and she said, what? Me take medication? That's not my philosophy. No way. I'm going to be sending this back to the doctor. You know, she's Very proper person, very sophisticated. She goes to the post office. She puts it in a box. She mails it back to the doctor. The family was furious. They called the neurologist. They said, what in the world were you thinking? We told you in advance, before she was coming to you, that she has an aversion to medication. You should have waited at another point, a different appointment, to give her the medication. Now, like, all hope is gone. She's not going to take the medication. She mailed the medication back to you. What were you thinking? The neurologist said like this, I knew she wasn't going to take the medication. I knew she was going to send it back to me. My goal was to get her to hold the medication, put it in her purse, and take it home. That's the first step to her taking the medication. What a powerful story of just accepting the idea actually leads us to implement it. So the author says, yeah, in order to really and truly have this intention, you have to be on the level of Moshe Rabbeinu. How dare we think we're on the level of Moshe Rabbeinu? The author says, one second. Even though in order to have this intention wholeheartedly, you have to be on the level of Moshe Rabbeinu, nevertheless, I want you to habituate yourself to this intention. Alfred was going to tell us why. I'll read the next sentence, and we're going to unpack it next class, Bez Hashem. For although it may not be in his heart, in perfect and complete truth, so that he should long for it with all his heart, for in order to truly do so, one must have attained a totally selfless love for Hashem. Nevertheless, to some small extent, his heart genuinely desires it. We're going to end the class over there as a cliffhanger, and we're going <laughs> to unpack it next class, because wait till you see what's coming. So let's summarize what we said until now, and that is that through having this intention of uniting Kuchabricha with Hitch something amazing happens in the supernal realms. The Judgments are tempered, are sweetened by the kindness. Because when Hashem's will is pulled down within the Sephirot, they all act with the agenda of kindness. Why is Hashem's will getting pulled down to the sefirot? Because the mitzvahs, our Hashem's will. They come from the whiteness of Arach Anpin. Chivarta de Arach Anpin. It's a pure place of Hashem as He transcends all the worlds. It's becoming a reflection of what we did in this world. What did we do in this world? We use our soul, which comes to this from the Shekhinah, to power and express the will of Hashem. In the higher worlds, that means that Hashem's will is being pulled down within the sefirot, and the bottom line, the sum total, becomes chesed, kindness. Now, the author of us says really have this intention of uniting Kucha Brichu with his Shekhinah, of uniting that light which surrounds all worlds, which completely transcends creations and channeling it into our own soul in its source, where we don't think of our own self, where we're one with the entire Jewish people. You can't just be on a regular level. You know what kind of love you have to have? Our natural love isn't going to do. You need to have Ahava Rabba LaHashem Levadai. Great love for Hashem himself. Thinking nothing nothing of yourself. Like the example of the Zohar, the son who, who tries to do everything for his parents and he cares for them and he loves them more than he loves his own self. Who is it talking about? It's talking about Moshe Rabbeinu. Dare we think we're on the level of Moshe Rabbeinu? And the Altar Abba says, even though you can't do it to the truest extent, I want you to practice it get habituated in it. And the reason why is because, yes, you may not want it wholeheartedly, but to some extent you do. So how incredible is that? And I'm opening up now for questions and discussions.